Welcome to episode 26 of Sexy Aging, where I was able to connect with Anna Friend in the UK. Author, theatre director, actor and radio presenter are just a few hats that Anna wears. Our discussion on this podcast is just like many discussions women in midlife are finally having today. Sharing and comparing of perimenopause symptoms and how this affects our daily lives. Tips for getting our health back on track and best of all, how midlife has propelled us to flex those creative muscles and bring forth the passions and ideas we've always wanted to share with the world. For both of us, we launch podcasts. This meeting is being recorded and between New Zealand and the UK, I have a new friend and her name's Anna Friend, so there you go. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast of Sexy Aging, Anna. It's great to have you here. It's morning time for you. It is morning. It is now 8.09 in the UK. So yeah, yes. I'm you look sort of so dragging good. Do you, go to, do you go to the hairdresser of bed wake-ups? I do, exactly. Yeah. I just a step, I just stepped out of the salon like this, actually, Tracy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm re- oh, really that's good awesome. Well, that's a damn good salon that's open at like 7.30 in the morning. So cool. I'm so glad that you're here because our plan is to, to have a bit of a chat two women going through parallel lives on yes, opposite yes. ends of the world and I think that's pretty damn cool so neither you or I are experts in the field and of course previous um, episodes that I've had I've interviewed people there they're either a, you know an expert in a particular area of um, midlife or perimenopause and not all my guests yeah, are yeah. in that space they're just you know amazing entrepreneurs or world-class something but yeah, just happen yeah. to be kicking butt at 50 and that's really cool um but you and I we are women that just like to talk about something that's going on with our bodies and want other women to have a conversation too so we connected as many of my podcast guests do through Instagram yes (laughs) and the power of social media yes social media and I saw that you're doing a podcast but we'll talk about that later so I'd like to introduce you to the listeners and the viewers um and a friend I already told you she's my friend um, she's author of the Big Little Heart series, a theatre director, so this should be fun, an actor and yeah. a podcaster, new podcaster, and a fabulous super ager. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent to be here. So, um, yeah, just share a little bit about sort of your background. And I'm quite curious, like, how did you come to write the books and, you know, a little bit about your theatre background and just share yeah. your story with us. Yeah, so um, so I've been working in theatre for about 15 years now, sort of on and off. Um, I trained as a drama teacher when I was in my 30s. And um, and I actually just went on and I worked traditionally in sort of traditional senior schools for a little while. And then after a while, I kind of thought, uh, I'd like to take this into more of a theatre arena. And I became a director and I started working predominantly with young people, which is actually kind of still what I do. So I have a theatre company called Quirky Bird Theatre. We run classes for young people all the way down to like age four, all the way up to sort of age 18. We go on schools tours. So that was kind of the bulk of what I did. Um, What I still do, actually, I still do a lot of that. Um, So kind of in that creative arena. And then in 2016, I was lucky enough to form another company, a theatre company, which runs in Bristol in the UK, which is and it's beautiful, very creative city. 
sort of uh, very green it's just a very alternative beautiful place to be so if you're ever in the UK come to Bristol and the theatre there um one of the theatres there I run with um, my company called Schoolhouse and I ended up acting on stage and it was it was more kind of through the fact that we didn't have very much money and we were kind of trying to cast people and I was like you know what don't worry I'll step in if you can't find this this role so I did that and that sort of went put me back onto the stage so I've also been acting since about 2016 and most recently just finished a, a run of a play called Shirley Valentine, which you may or may not know in New Zealand. But yeah, really kind of um, iconic female empowerment play, which was so very apt for me to do at this time in my life. It, it was kind of like this amazing casting. Um, so that, yeah, so uh, that I, I've just done that. Um, and acting, hey, I and remember then, that. I remember that play, or probably I might have seen it and not the as theatre. I saw the film. Now yes, it's coming yes. back to me because I've just realised that it was a movie about a midlife woman. Totally. Yeah. Right? yeah. Who has, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I might have seen that when I was like maybe in my 30s and, and didn't even think about a lot of the innuendos and things yeah, that were happening yeah. in the storyline and now if I, I know I'm actually making a note that I'm going to watch it again <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and the thing is about it the thing I mean it's very dated I mean it was written in the written in the 80s and and the film I think was 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 made in the 80s or maybe the 90s with um uh gosh a woman called Pauline at, at the helm anyway she's an amazing actor um and she did the stage show and then she went on to do the film and sort of made it completely iconic but the thing is so many people have seen the film and the film is of course a, a fully realized film it has all of the different characters played by all of the different actors but the play is a one woman play so the the play is 17 characters all played by me or the you know whichever actor is is, is doing the and so I play Costas the Greek waiter that she has a kind of fling with I play Jeanette and Dougie, the sort of couple from Birmingham who she interacts with the whole lot. So a lot of people, they come to the show or they'll say to me, oh, which which part do you play? Oh, who are you playing? And I'm like, um, well, I, I obviously play Shirley, but it's a one woman show. And they're like, oh, oh gosh, is it? OK. Um, and then they come and they have the experience. And I mean, it's it the way it's written. He's an immense writer and it, it, it works so well. But the experience for me was very different because I originally played her in 2019, uh, yeah, 2019, that's right, um, before lockdown, before pandemics, before I really kind of engaged with perimenopause at all. I know we're going to talk about that later, but kind of I was just in a completely different space. And then coming back to it now in 2021, when I am so immersed in menopause, so immersed in midlife, thinking about where I am, thinking about what I'm doing, who I am, all of the things that come up for us at this time, and to then suddenly play this woman it was a very, very different experience. And interestingly, my team, uh, my director, my producer, you know, at the end, we sort of reflect on, on what, and they were like, it was, it, was a, it was like watching a completely different show. So yeah, it's been, it was a very special show for me to come back to. And also, of course, with the pandemic, you know, theatre, the arts, we've had a very difficult time. We haven't been able to do anything at all. And, and so to yeah. sort of come back with this show at this time of my life as the first show back, the whole thing was incredibly special. So, so yeah, it's been a journey with with Shirley Vant, and she's a Scouse, which you might yeah. not know what that means, but she's a Liverpool. She's got a Liverpool ad accent, so there was also. Well, and uh, my grandfather was a Scouse, and he had <gasps> oh, the amazing. Full, 
full Liverpool accent and he was um I just adored him and he's passed yeah. on but you know it was so fun to be around him and just the humor and yeah, just yeah, yeah. not taking himself too seriously and always kidding around with us and yeah I mean he was a fabulous person and yeah so I do know what it means yeah, 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 <laughs> there's a little bit of me <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know yeah. it's a great it's a great accent to play with so so yeah, so so being an actor kind of entered uh, my life rather than me sort of choosing to do it, but I just kind of, I do in, I do enjoy it. Um, and the books have come through circumstance. Um, I suppose being a creative, which is that's you know that's my job, my life is kind of just constantly creating stuff. You know, um, the first the books kind of just came from things that were happening to me, and I think the way that I processed that is that I kind of decided to write it. All of the books are children's books, although I am about to embark on writing a series for adults. Um, and they are all there to help support children and families during very uh, challenging times. Some, I mean, some of them, the, the, the latest one is coming out in November, and that one is to help people deal with the loss of a parent. So that's a very, very extreme and very difficult traumatic period to deal with. Um, the first one was really to do with this this situation that we've just been through so it was called yeah. when can I go back to school and it was oh you know, that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah I mean just from personal experience as well with with COVID and talking about kids dealing with this amazing situation life situation that we're all going through so it, it's we're still kind of coming out the end of it because we yeah. were in the lockdown for nine months in mm. Asia and then we relocated back to New Zealand and then we were waiting for my husband to arrive and that took five months because it's very difficult to get a isolation spot in New Zealand and they're very right. strict only New Zealanders can come <laughs> but there are very limited spots right so we basically tripped around New Zealand for five months and I homeschooled him and he would just be like when can I go to school when am I I've got no friends you know like he would mm -hmm. say all this stuff and there was nothing I could do it was heartbreaking but we've come out the other end of it so I know that it, things are going to get better because mm. I'm seeing him at school and I literally can't keep up with how many friends he's made. He's in the basketball team. He's in the swim team. He's got karate. He's got, I mean, he's got play dates left, right and center. And I just would never have predicted this, you mm. know, 18 months ago that we would mm. be in this situation. So I think your books sound amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been an exp amazing experience to even just write them and then to sort of have the experience of having them published and for yeah. them now to be in a more of a worldwide setting rather than it just being, you know, I wrote it and I sort of shared it with friends and thought, well, this might be helpful for people going through this situation. And now it's obviously hopefully going to help people on a, a much more global scale, um, which is amazing. So, yeah, no, it's it, will, been, it will help. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's been, it's been kind of a whirlwind of Lockdown has been, I think, both a blessing and a curse for so many people. But certainly yeah. from my point of view, I mean, it's introduced me to podcasting, which we will talk about, the joy of podcasting. Yeah. But, you know, it's introduced me to just kind of um, pushing my creativity into a, an arena that I wasn't, that I had to think. I had to think outside of theatre and I had to think outside of physical work. And so that kind of spurred me into action on lots of other digital fronts. And that in itself has led to loads of brilliant things, including you know being here with you my own podcast you know all of that sort of yeah. digital side of things so yeah it's been it's been a wild ride but I think I think there's no point for me there's never any point in kind of going oh I wish that hadn't happened you know we are where we are aren't we and we can kind of go it's like you know um 
going to school and suddenly having loads and loads of friends and play dates and everything. I mean, that might be because they were lacking that so much that they've kind of gone to school with this extra energy of like this thirst of like, look, I want to learn. I want to meet people. You just don't know. So, you know, we yeah. can only ever take the positives, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, and one of the things I picked up on is, you know, getting into that digital space. So, you know, being um, midlife and I'm in the fitness space and a lot of that is face fronting. And when you're not yeah. able to do that because, you know, you, your, your physical clubs are closed for months on end and then you have to shift yeah. across to digital platforms and not just, um, you know, from the exercise part, but from the training aspect, like how do you train and continue to train people when you can't be in front of them? And so mm. being able to retrain myself and pick up a new skill was amazing, right? Mm. And then it actually just made the whole, I think I'm going to do a podcast thing much easier because I felt like, well, I've picked up new things and this is another new thing. And so I'll just yeah. keep running with it. And I think that's yeah. been one of the upsides of, of the experience of COVID for me is like, um, you're never too young, old dog, new tricks, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 that, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and also finding my voice, yeah, which has been yeah, yeah. really cool. Cause I feel like um, there is in the fitness industry and it's probably more marketing than the, than the industry itself. It's the marketing of the industry is very youthified. Mm. and when you love it but you're still in it you become aware of how it's promoted and marketed and you start to and it's one of the symptoms of menopause doubt yourself right so you start yeah. to think oh um you know I, i'm you know am i worthy here is this the place i need to be is there somewhere mm. else i need to be and i think part of that has propelled me outside of the fitness industry into sort of podcasting and conversations around midlife which is more in the wellness and woman space than yeah, it is yeah, specifically yeah. fitness but um yeah I just I just feel like there's been quite a few upsides to COVID yeah, although I also know when it does come to perimenopause it's shone a light on that for a lot of women and I can see the engagement and the um the just the the way that things are really ramping up in the UK and the conversation mm. um, oh gosh yeah 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 right and it's just yeah, that people have been stuck inside. Yeah. People have been stuck yeah. inside and they're like, they're like, I'm losing my shit. Da, da, da. And, and then they're realizing that actually a lot of this is impacted by their changing hormones. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I have mm. conversations on forums all the time with women who had no idea that they were in perimenopause. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you say, and you say, oh, well, what are your symptoms? And they'll say, oh, well, God, I'm really anxious. Um, you know, I just, I can't sleep very well. I've got kind of my legs fit, you know, all these sorts of things. And they can listen, listen you know, you know, the symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and you're like, well, that's perimenopause. And they, oh, well, I thought it was just because I was, because of lockdown, I was just feeling really, you know, all over the place. And so I just put it down to that. And so that, you know, they could have had these symptoms for the, for the last year, 18 months even. And they've yeah. really just kind of thought, well, it's just, it's just where I am. But, but then and I, I don't know if you have the same when conversations that you have, but I just feel like that happens a lot where women just accept it and go, oh, well, this is just where I am. You know, I'm 45, I'm 47, I'm 51, whatever, whatever yeah. age. And they just kind of go, you know, so just my, you know, my body's just kind of like changing and falling apart a bit. So, hey, ho, I'll just accept it. And then I'm always there to say, um, actually, you know, um, no, you don't have to accept it. There are lots and lots of different things that you can do to help yourself. And even just the knowledge, when I realized that I was in perimenopause, for me, that sort of changed my journey with it almost instantly because 
I, I wasn't then kind of thinking, like you're saying, the doubt and all of that sort of stuff creeping in and thinking, oh, should I be here? What am I doing? Well, all of this sort of stuff. And also just feeling a bit, a little bit like you're losing it. When you realise it's hormonal, you can kind of just chalk it up to something and go, oh, OK, so so it's not me. I'm not kind of losing my mind. This is happening to me. Yeah. Which I always make a really, really clear distinction to people that you must understand that menopause is happening to a woman it's not because of her you know she's not yeah she's not being being horrendously I don't know rageful or bitchy or or awkward or or, you know sad or any of those things because she's choosing to it's happening to her and so she you know you need to kind of have some some empathy for that person and and just and give them some support but I think also for a woman to then also realize that it's happening to you is key in your own transformation of going okay so how do I want to move forward with this? Am I going to go on HRT and am, am yeah. I going to you know, look at my lifestyle? What am I doing? Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's instrumental in that whole conversation. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I know what you're saying. And actually I just wanted to ask you something about um, one of your symptoms and see, <laughs> this is just like, I was thinking about it when you were telling me about the Shirley Valentine um, yeah, yeah. stage show you didn't get brain fog by any chance did you <laughs> I didn't you know what I mean I actually did have a concern about it because um my, my main symptom has been fatigue so that has been my my biggest sort of worry and when we went into rehearsal um I suddenly just thought is, is there going to be a point um where I'm going to completely not either blank and forget my lines or that I'm just going to get to the point where I'm just so tired that I can't really kind of give because it's a very energetic show it's now and a half of me really just you Um, yeah yeah but I haven't I mean brain fog yes but not but I don't have it in the I mean I've interviewed women where it literally has been you know they've been driving their car and then they've forgotten how to drive it's that sort of severe for me brain fog looks more like I'll think, oh God, I must um, book a dentist appointment. And then I will, you know, sort of pause for a, a nanosecond to, to do something else. And then I've literally gone, what was it that I needed to do? Yeah. And so I've, I've kind of learned that if I think of something like I need to book, a de- I have to do it straight away. or I have Right to away, yeah. Yeah. Same. But, yeah. But amazing with the lines, I mean, obviously the lines for Shirley, I'd done it sort of two years ago. Um, and it was one of the things that I was a little bit anxious about is, it, are, will they be there? Um, obviously, I had to relearn them, sort of. And I think within the first couple of days of, of rehearsal, I said to my director, look, can we just run it? And he was like, oh, it's quite early to try and run it. And I was like, I just need to see it. See, And I ran it and it was kind of almost all there. And I thought, oh, OK, all right. And that sort of put my my um, my mind at, re- at rest. But fatigue was the main thing. So during the show, you know, I had to kind of make sure that I was uh, sleeping during the day yeah because all of my energy was needed at night and like eating at just really weird times so that I had a sort of like fuel on board for the show yeah it's a being an actor is weird it's not something that I would want to do full-time because it, it's so <laughs> dis- it's just I mean it's yeah. so disruptive to your life it's kind of like everything happens at the back end of the day and then I mean like really didn't see my family it was just yeah just but for the short time that I'm doing it, I absolutely love it. It's kind of everything. And then you kind of come back from that existence and go, oh, okay, here's normal, here's normal life, whatever that looks like, but here it kind of is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But um I haven't had haven't had severe brain fog yet. 
I'm going to say the word yet because you never know what's coming. Um, well, I find that that it really links and it's exasperated by the lack of sleep thing. Yeah. So if you find that you get a bad night's sleep and it's almost instant for me, the next day I will not be able to finish a sentence. And my kids mm-hmm. pick it up on me. They'll be like, you're so frustrating. Like you say something and then you stop halfway through and I'm waiting, listening for the rest and, and you don't <laughs> say anything. And I'm like, I because I physically can't. The words yeah, are stuck yeah, in my yeah. mouth and they're just yeah. not coming out. They're up in my head, but they can't make the connection. And yeah, that yeah, really yeah. is, yeah, like it's exasperated by poor sleep, which I don't get a lot of now. I actually am so freaking religious about going to bed at the right time and doing yeah, all the right yeah, things yeah. leading up to mm. it so so what else I mean other than um fatigue and I think that's kind of linked to this big example of you know having to perform on stage night after night and all eyes on you for an hour and a half um yeah, has there yeah. been any other kind of what's what's your worst symptom <laughs> well honestly I think it was fatigue but I, I've always I've always kind of um Oh God, literal brain fog. Like I can't think of a word. I've described (laughs) hilariously good timing there though. Um, I've always described my symptoms as kind of subtle, but eroding. And I think that that's something that a lot of women would sort of understand that, or or rather I find that a lot of women are kind of waiting for the the massive night sweat, you know, where, where your sheets are kind of soaked or the hot flush that makes you go purple or the brain fog where you forget your name, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But actually my symptoms are more kind of, they like chipping away at my soul. <laughs> <That's horrible. laughs> no, no. Of, it, yeah. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's yeah, kind I do. of like, yeah. so I, I don't get night, I don't get sort of full on night sweats, but certainly there are, there are times where, you know, I wake up and I just sort of feel a bit, a bit clammy, a bit kind of like, Oh, just need to kick off the sheets for a couple of minutes and then I'll go back to sleep you know it's not it's not the end of the world but it is still broken so my sleep becomes broken um I get more cold flushes rather than hot flushes so there's a points in my month particularly where because I'm still having periods um where, where I will just irrespective of what's happening outside if it's a heat wave I will you know suddenly go and get my dressing gown and sort of be in a blanket and my husband's like what the heck are you doing and I'm like well I'm just suddenly freezing you know and yeah. for ages I would be like oh I think I'm coming down with something I think I've got flu or something and then I realized it was these cold sweats and then the fatigue again it's that sort of thing where I just suddenly notice at a certain point in my day that I'm like really really flagging um, and then that has an impact on my sort of nutrition my the choices that I make in terms of food um, so and brain fog again it's been that same journey of like it not being dramatic so I, I haven't put my keys in the you know freezer or anything like that just yeah. just yet you know. but of, of always having that delay where I'm going oh what was I just about to do or um, or words you know words like you were saying about sentences just times where I'm suddenly going what is that thing called that I'm trying to describe and it's like you know I don't know a garden or something. <laughs> the you newspaper know. the pot yeah just the coffee yeah, my, machine <laughs> my hand you know what, someone's what name that's the worst you know I used to think I was really good with names um and I realized that I was deteriorating with that about maybe five years ago which probably would have been the onset the beginning of my symptoms yeah, and I just yeah. And I wasn't aware at the time it was the beginning of my symptoms, but it was something that bothered me because I'd be like, far out, man. I used to be really good with people's names. And now someone yeah. that I've met and called them their name, 
has come into the room and I cannot recall their name. Mm. And it really kind of threw me, but mm. I didn't link it. I didn't link it back because it was such a subtle, like you said, an erosion. <laughs> but that's the thing is I think a yeah. lot of women don't it was get so it. subtle. Yeah. But there's stuff that's happening to them and they kind yeah. of just don't connect the dots at all. But yeah. also frustratingly and I'm not sure obviously I don't know about the medical situation over there but in the UK GP training is is not where it needs to be which is why there's so much campaigning so not only do we not put it together and connect the dots yeah the, G- the GP they don't know yeah. yeah so women going to the GP for five years going oh yeah I've got tinnitus and they're like okay I'm going to treat tinnitus oh well I've got um you know brain fog or what oh I'm going to treat that oh, I've got dry eyes oh, I'll treat that yeah. and it's like yeah and yeah. next thing, their medic- medicine cabinet is so full oh of all God. this stuff that they really don't need, right? Yeah. Um, so with with your um, symptoms, like, yeah, what, what do you do to help alleviate um, some of the worst of it? I mean, what, well, the main what's, thing, what's your plan? <laughs> well, so the main thing that I've been, the main thing that I started doing when I kind of clicked into this, which was, I would say, summer last year, where I suddenly the penny dropped and I went, oh, yeah. hang on. No, this is hormonal. This is perimenopause. I had a conversation with my doctor. She recommended antidepressants. I said, yeah. uh, no. That's the second, t- third time I've heard it, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's very common over here. Very common. And I was very shocked and sort of, you know, questioned her, went back straight to like, why? Why are you giving me those things? I'm not depressed. Anyway, very long conversation. And so I started doing my own research and I started thinking, well, I just need to be a bit more proactive and sort of, I felt like I needed to guard my body towards what was coming. Obviously, I didn't know what was coming in terms of menopause. No one knows what their menopause looks like until they're there. And it changes. It's a landscape. But I thought, well, I'm going to try and get myself into a better position. So uh, I started looking at my sleep. That was one of the things I started doing very, very quickly. So like you, I'm very well on the whole, apart from when I'm in a show. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, when I'm when I can. I'm in bed at a certain time to make sure that I'm going to get seven, you know, seven plus hours sleep. Um, and then I get up at the same time and I go for a walk every morning. And that kind of movement and that regularity of sleep into movement. So every morning, 6.30, go for a walk, 40 minutes of walking. Um, I found that that actually had a huge impact on my well-being, which and I, and I suppose my symptoms, I think it was all wrapped up for me. It was all kind of like a lot of the time my well, my well-being was the thing that I was questioning the most. So it was it was red rage. It was getting so incredibly angry with my husband and my children and going, where's this coming from? This is really unhealthy. I don't like feeling like this. And that really abated when I started doing all of that regular walking and regular sleeping. And then. Most recently, I've been looking a lot at nutrition and supplements. So um, there's a brilliant woman over here in the UK called Claire Shepherd who runs, uh, she has a program called Your New Life Plan. And I met her because she runs the Know Your Menopause campaign, which you might have seen on my Instagram and also on my Twitter. Brilliant, brilliant campaign. Very simple about uh, raising awareness. And, um, but she's also a nutritionist, a sort of naturopath. So she um, she's not anti-HRT whatsoever, but she just, if women want to go down a more natural route, she's there and she's very kind and she does like free consultations and everything. So I had one of those with her, which was lush. And she recommended some supplements 
um, which I started taking on a kind of, again, very religious basis, which is right. I'm taking collagen. I'm taking vitamin D. I'm taking B12. I'm taking multivitamin. Magnesium. I'm taking omega-3. Yeah. Yep. Well, actually, I take magnesium as a cream. I have magnesium as a cream. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 which is lovely. And um, so started doing all of those things at the same time as having a conversation with my GP about going on HRT because uh, the conversation here in the in the UK is kind of changing a lot about HRT. Oh, and, hugely. In fact, yeah. I interviewed um, Dr. Rebecca Lewis from the Newson Health Clinic for episode mm. 18 and mm. she completely opened my eyes I knew nothing mm. about HRT and that's why I interviewed I didn't want to just just get confused by yeah, all yeah. the things I was reading because that's probably why most people are at they're like I'm reading this and then I'm hearing this and I'm like actually I'm just going to go to the source I want to go to the person who can really help me unpack this conversation so yeah. um I definitely think the UK is streaks ahead of probably the rest of the world to be honest Mm-hmm. Um, so here in New Zealand, there is conversation about it, but I am experiencing it myself where I'm going to a GP and they do not want to recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell them, well, I've spoken to one of the world's leading experts on in this space and I'm a really good candidate. So I'd love to yeah, be able yeah. to try it. I'd love to be able to try it. I mean, if I'm going to talk about, you know, um, dealing with menopause or helping people age well and enjoy the rest of their life because we're not done yet, then I need to know what's going to happen to me, you know? Yeah. And I'm not a high-risk person, so. Exactly. And I mean, the thing is about HRT is that... I can't quite believe that Sexy Aging has 26 episodes already. I absolutely love talking with women from around the world and I'm still delighted with the feedback, testimonies and messages I receive daily telling me that these conversations are helping the listeners and empowering them to take their health and future into their own hands. If you are loving the podcast as much as I love to make it, then please consider subscribing through anchor.fm to donate a small monthly subscription or write a review and share the podcast with your friends. Um, so one of the other avenues that we've both gone down apart from that trying to explore what's happening with our bodies but we've kind of turned it into a conversation and not just a conversation with the next door neighbor or our girlfriend that we always catch up with over coffee both of us have gone down the podcast route (laughs) to really open up and 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 help women uh, become more aware of the changes that are happening to their bodies Mm. so do you want to share a little bit about your podcast because I think I mean that's one of the other cool things is I have spoken to other podcasters and we're all about hey look if we do this together and we share with each other and we guest on each other's podcasts it can only just spread further right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. absolutely so yeah you want to share a little bit about your podcast yeah yeah so um i launched um my podcast which is called taking on the change um in i want to say april yeah it was april um i kind of decided to do it i started thinking about doing it in the uh in the uh, early 2021 so early of this year just because i found that when i was having conversations if i brought it up if i suddenly said oh i'm going through menopause or even if I just literally said the word menopause or perimenopause around me, there would be this kind of like, oh, 
you know recoiling (gasps) disgust (laughs) recoil yeah yeah but not even (laughs) just from men you know not just from men you know just a generational thing but also some some women who were just like oh no no I'm just not going to talk about it um and so I started looking around and seeing what was about but also just felt like that conversation where it was just everyday women having that conversation so again it's excellent to talk to experts and and to and to sort of get information but I think that women love hearing that other women are going through similar things to them and it makes them feel heard it makes them uh, understand themselves better it, it it's those moments and I get emails all the time from women just saying um, oh my god I was listening to episode two and you know your guest said this and I was literally banging the you know the 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 worktop going yes that's me yes yes you know. yes yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get the same yeah so it was that yeah. it was that kind of um thing that I wanted to to generate and of course taking on the change comes from so again it might not be something that happens in um, New Zealand but in the in here in the UK you know one of the ways that the menopause is referred to or has been referred to in the past is the change she's going through the change which I hate <laughs> and I, I I hate the idea that we kind of can't just name it just call it what it is it's the menopause it's my vagina it's you know all of the do you yeah. know what I mean it's the it's kind of like yeah. let's just let's just be honest about where we are so taking on the yeah. change is literally that it's like let's take this on let's take change, it on yeah change the conversation let's share our realities let's share our realities and so um the podcast is a really good mix of like yourself it's a really good mix of conversations with women who are just going through this this stuff but i always tend to the ser- the way that the series run is that you know one week you might be listening to someone who's had a really positive experience with HRT the next week you might be talking to someone who hasn't gone down HRT uh, route and they're looking at sort of more nutrition you might then talk to someone who's uh, had a very very severe reaction to to menopause and it's taken them down a a mental health route and led them to some really really dark places Um, and then I might have someone who, who is more of an expert and we might be talking about you know sexual health or loss of libido so it kind of you know, every single series, every episode, you've got something different and someone's experience, which is different, which hopefully from a listener's point of view is like, okay, so I'm learning different things. I'm, I'm finding in every woman because everybody's menopause looks differently. Like you and I will experience some common ground, but also there'll be points where it's like, oh, that does definitely doesn't happen to me. And it does happen, you know? So it's lovely to listen to lots of different voices because in each one you might go, aha, yes, that's me but maybe the rest of it isn't you and and but you're still you know learning about it and actually I've had some you know I've had men on the podcast my husband was on the podcast we did um episode nine together which was the end of series one which was just the most tremendously beautiful conversation um I've probably ever had with him it was just lovely um and I've got um, more men coming on for series two and series three and couples I've had couples on as well talking about the journey for them um so and campaigners you know we get I get a lot of campaigners on of course um but it's rooted in personal experience even if someone's coming on and they're leading a campaign or maybe they've got a product or a book or something you know we get a lot of that don't we podcasters people saying can I come on um I'm saying yeah absolutely but you know you're gonna have to talk about your own experience first um it, it, it has to be rooted in personal experience and it's I would say, I'm not sure if you would agree, but I would say for me, creating this podcast has been one of the most pivotal and tremendously 
rewarding things that I've ever done has transformed my relationship with myself uh with kind of the tribe of women that I feel this community yeah. that I feel like this global 100%. kind of like yeah yeah. It's, it's, it's been hey, Anna, right at the beginning of the pod, of our interview, I said we are living these parallel lives. Mm. And I feel like you've just nailed it on the head. I feel the exact same way. Uh, mm. I've had quite an amazing career and time in the fitness industry, but there has been nothing like doing the podcast and having these levels of conversations that has swiveled my head so fast and made me realize, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is what I've been building up for, you know, and like, it's not even a paid gig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, I mean, but you just, you just keep going through because it's the, it's the testimonies and the emails and the people saying, thank you so much for talking about that because um, that's how it is for me. And I just mm-hmm. felt so alone. You know, and then you realize, yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. So yeah, thank yeah. you, Anna, for um, the interview. Thank you oh, for thank sharing. thank you so much and, for having me. Yeah, and for your story and your podcast, which I will share in the listener notes and um, when I do my social media posts. So we'll be like kind of social media high-fiving each other. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Virtually, virtually there. Virtually, definitely. yeah. And oh, hopefully one so day much. we will meet. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, the thing is, that's the dream, isn't it? That is the dream to sort of like be able to be in a room with the people that you connect with. And I hope that that would happen. It would just be so amazing. It would be amazing. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. I am loving these conversations with women from all over the world. I've learned so much and I want to keep learning so that I can share with you to help you navigate your way through this time of our life, to feel well, to feel good, empowered and sexy. I have testimonies every day from women that have found some comfort in the episodes and so I'm putting it out there that if you are loving the content and it's helping you, please consider subscribing monthly or even donating. This podcast is not a paid gig and I am doing it purely out of passion. I'm obviously not Joe Rogan who sold his podcast for $72 million. I'm a woman like you exploring how to live a long and healthy life.